Here's the word of God for today. It's a little more lengthy than usual, so bear with me. Chapter 22, Genesis. And I came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horn. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, meaning the Lord will provide. Somebody say amen. The Lord will provide, as it said in this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. Among the numerous things that the Holy Spirit would give me for this day. He has chosen to begin the year with a question for us. And I would ask you to put that on the screen. Will we, will you pass this year's test and trials? And how many of you know God never gives us a test or trial with the intent of causing us to fail? Watch your hands in my direction. Offer a prayer for me, would you, and for us? Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord. And this is the first Sunday of the month. It is our practice to observe Holy Communion. So in this prayer, even in a, as I speak to you, I speak to the church, that after we have shared this word, we will share your table. But, Lord, we want the connection of your table and the word to be one with us today. And so, Father, I pray, I I thank you, Lord, for the ability to see another year. Amen, church. And we are are needing of a fresh oil of anointing on us. We need fresh fire to burn in our bosom for God. Uh, We need to 
have the ability to pass the test and overcome the trials so that we might be more like Jesus. So I pray for everyone here this morning, God. Let nothing distract or steal from the anointing that you have available for all of us. God, help me because I'm just a house of clay. But I want to be touched by an eternal word and the Holy Spirit that I might minister life. In Jesus' name, amen. And so be it. Thank you for being seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. When I ask the question, you think about the answer in your mind. What was the most important test of your life to this point? What was the most important test of your life to this point? Several things come to my mind. I remember on the occasion of wanting to go to college and to be placed well and received by the school to which I applied. It was necessary for me to take the SAT. I think it was called, and maybe I'm mistaken, but it was Scholastic Aptitude Test. And there's another one called the ACT. Based on how well you did on that test, determined the level of acceptance you received from the schools you applied to. Well, it's really not a level of acceptance. You either accept it or not. Also, depending on how well you did on that test, there could be financial assistance that would be available to you to help defray the cost of college if you pass the test successfully. We all have had some kind of test or the other. Most of us don't like tests. Well, three of us don't like tests. For those in the profession of medical science, maybe your greatest test was passing the exam to get into medical school. For those of you that have an interest in the legal profession, then maybe your great test has been that of being able to pass the bar exam. There's one thing I know about living, and even as we are into the first day of the 2012, is that tests and trials will come to everybody. Can I get an amen? So that... You understand what the Lord would say to us today. Let me give a foundation. We can expect tests in our lives because life involves tests. Verse number 1. Keep your Bibles open. Chapter 22. Genesis. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. Life involves tests. If you're married, you won't be married long before your marriage will be tested. If you're a parent, you won't be a parent long. It won't take long until somehow that toddler, an infant, and eventually who will become a teenager will find ways to test you. In your workplace, you'll be tested. Sometimes it's a written evaluation. Sometimes you take a test so you can get a promotion or a raise. But many times you are being tested without you even observing by those who are over you and those who are accountable for your future pay or raise. They are testing you by observing your promptness or lack thereof and your diligence and your work ethics. We all will have tests and we, we go through tests. If you ever announce to unbelievers that you are serving the Lord, that you are Christian, 
in this politically correct world, if you ever take a stand for what is right, you'll be tested upon the convictions you live and believe. Abraham had several tests in his life. The first of many was the fact that he was called by God from the comfort of his father's house, from an environment that he knew very well. And God says, I want to make you a prince, a mighty man. In order to do so, you must leave your father's home and the comfort of the environment you know and go to a different land and a different location. I'm not telling you where it is and how long it will take to get there, but you will know you are there when I tell you you get there. And Abraham did exactly what the Lord called him to do. And he made an A on that test. Matter of fact, the Lord allowed him to choose a companion other than his wife and immediate family. And he chose his nephew Lot. And his nephew Lot traveled with him and was a great help to him along the way until Lot got carnal and selfish and made some wrong choices. But Abraham's choice of Lot was an A+. He had another test. On one occasion, enemies who did not want him to prosper came and attacked him and his family, his livestock, and his possession. And God, with a small band of people, God gave Abraham victory over his enemies when he pursued them and captured all those who were kidnapped, or retook them in possession. And as a result of that, he got the spoils of all his enemies' resources. It was a test. Instead of taking all these spoils and building his own empire right away, he elected to give God the tithe first of all the blessings God had given him. And thereafter he kept doing it. And Abraham made an A plus on that test. There's another test he was given when he went down into Egypt. And because he feared that his wife would be taken from him because she was such a beautiful woman, he told a lie. About who she was. And somebody said, well, technically it was his sister. But he, he told a lie. Because God's not interested in how technical you can be in lying. A lie is a lie. He failed that test. There was another occasion. And we remember this about Abraham. And I won't belabor it. But you know that God had promised Abraham and Sarah, his wife, that he would bless them with a son. And God had told Abraham and Sarah that out of this son, we eventually come to know him as Isaac, I will bless you with many more sons and daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, great-grandsons, great-granddaughters. I'll bless you with so many children. Your descendants will be long after you're dead. Keep multiplying and they will be as innumerable as the sands are of the ocean or as the stars are of the sky. Abraham and Sarah began to get older. She passed childbearing age, and so did he. And they figured, well, God said he's going to give us a son, but he's not done it yet. Maybe we should help the process along. So they conferred together, Abraham and Sarah, and they agreed that Sarah's maid, whose name was Hagar, Sarah agreed that Abraham would have sexual intimacy with her, and through their union, they would have a child. And they did. His name was Ishmael. But that wasn't God's plan. He made an F on that test. Let me move further to say to you that when we think about tests and trials, that trials and temptations are two different things. Observe, if you will, that God uses trials for a special purpose to fulfill in our lives. God doesn't give us trials just to aggravate us. He has a plan. He wants to stretch us and grow us and entrust us with more power. Can I get an amen? That's, that's trials. Temptations are different. They come from within us. 
And, and, and if they come from within us and they are housed in flesh, temptations then have to be examined and, 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 and oftentimes resisted and applied to with our principles of the Word of God so we can overcome them. Temptations and trials are different. Let me help you a little further. The devil uses temptations to bring out the worst in us. God uses trials to bring out the best in us. Somebody else say amen. Let me show you something else. Temptations seem logical. What would it hurt? I can do it one time. Nobody will know. I deserve a break today. It seems logical. After all my hard work, I should have a part of this. Temptations seem logical, but, but, but trials and tests are very unreasonable. Because we say to ourselves, why is God letting this happen to me? I go to church, I give in the offering, I serve in ministry, I'm benevolent, I speak good words, I don't cuss and swear and lie and commit fornication and adultery. Why is God letting me go through this? So you see, there is a difference. I might even say to you, the trials and tests are tailor-made for our lives. They are unique to us. God never asked Lot, Abraham's nephew, to do what he asked Abraham to do. Because God is forming and shaping each of us differently. God asked Lot to do a different thing when he got into Sodom and Gomorrah. If Lot had been obedient, there have been more blessings. Can I get an amen? So you and I in 2012 may not go through the same storm and trial, but understand that God has uniquely designed certain tests and trials because there may be some things in my life that I need more power to conquer that you've already conquered and vice versa. Can I get an amen? So I say to you that trials and tests are tailor-made for our unique situations and where God wants to develop us the most. And so in verse 2, if your Bible is still open, here's a, here's a test for Abraham. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. If you take notes, write this down. If you don't take notes, pretend. God never sends a test until he knows that you are ready for it. This is going to be the first one in 2012. Whoop! Glory. God never sends a test until He knows you are ready for it. God doesn't delight in your blundering and your faltering. And He doesn't go off somewhere in heaven and laugh when you fail the test. But He sends the test just in time when He knows it will give you the greater power, the greater faith, and the greater anointing if you will endure. Clap your hands, somebody, and thank God. So I'm telling you that if you're going through something right now, just came out of something, God has His timing. When you are ready, God is already ready. Can you imagine the heart of Abraham? How could God be any more clearer when He tests him? God said, take your son, your only son, the one you love. His name is Isaac. Because I want, to, I want you to think on this thought, please. When tests come, focus on promises, not explanations. An old hymn that says, the words go like this, we wonder why the test when we try to do our best, but we'll understand it better by and by. I like the old hymn, but it doesn't explain why the test does it. And so I say to you, when test comes, don't always look for an explanation. Claim the promise of God. Please note this. It's on the screen. Our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable. Do what seems unreasonable and expect what seems impossible. You didn't hear me.
Can you imagine how unreasonable it was for God to request of Abraham to kill his boy he had waited for 25 years for? He's 100 years old. His wife is 90. Abraham's thinking, how unreasonable, how unbearable, how impossible for God. I have my first son. His name was Ishmael. He came through the seed of Hagar and me, all that was against God's plan. I have a, and then God told me to send that boy away. You remember God told him to send Ishmael and his mother away? And now, God, you're telling me to kill my only seed and son, Isaac? How unreasonable. I have a problem with God on occasions. Evidently, you don't. Here's my problem with God. When he sends a trial into my life, he doesn't always attach an explanation. God has sent a trial into my life and he never sends a further text or email. And this is the reason, Alan, why you... Did he ever do it for Job? No. Job was having a great day one day when his whole world collapsed all around him. You know the story. There's a whole book about it. You ought to read it sometime. And you have. Didn't explain to Job why all hell would break loose in his life and all of his ten children would die. He would lose all of his livestock and the devil would try to even kill him. When God tested Daniel, when God tested Elijah, when Jezebel threatened to kill him, God didn't give Elijah an explanation of why he was going through the test. Because our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable and do what seems unreasonable and expect what seems impossible. So what you find is, in verses 3 through 5, Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. Abraham splits the wood for the burnt offering, arose, and went to the place which God had told him. From the place where God had spoken to him to go to Mount Moriah, it would be a 50, five zero mile journey on horseback or donkey back, and walking it would take three days. And so verse 4 says, On the third day Abraham raised up his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to the young man who traveled with him and the son, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Here's another thought I want you to have from the Holy Spirit. Abraham's obedience was not based on his understanding or his feelings, but upon his faith and trust in God. Say amen. amen. Yeah. That's what's going to have to happen to you this year if you're going to grow and be stretched and be anointed and be trusted with healing, prosperity, deliverance, joy. If your marriage is going to get better, if your children are going to get out of trouble and you you serving God, if you're going to get out of debt, if you're going to start your own business, if you're going to pass your test, what you and I are going to have to do this year is understand that we obey God whether we understand the way God works or whether we feel like it or not. How many times we do so many things in the natural that we do whether we feel like it or not? Some of you will have a 10, 12, 5, 7 day break over the Christmas. But come clocking in tomorrow morning or, or Tuesday, you just won't feel like it. But there's something about getting a paycheck that requires for you to show up. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Who came up with that? It's the first of the month. They will send you a text, an email, and they may send you a few other things you don't want to remind you that the mortgage is due on the house. To remind you that the car payment is due. And I can just see you sitting there saying, yeah, I don't feel like paying any bills this year. <laughs> we have a jail prison ministry. I'll be seeing you there. <laughs> and I'm just being a little lighthearted here. How many times we don't understand? We don't understand how that pill that doctor caused us to go and get a prescription for. 
You know, I, I love the little, I know we have doctors in the house, and I certainly just do this lightheartedly because I may need to see you about my own stuff. Uh, you know, they say that the doctors and the pharmacists have something worked out. It's why they write their prescription in, in another language, Latin or something, you know. And, when, and they say that the, that the doctor, he, he, uh, he writes this prescription, and you take it to the pharmacist, and what it really says is the doctor on that, on that whatever language says, I got mines, now you get yours. It costs so much for medicine, is what I'm saying. I think I get an amen. Even, I got some pharmacists probably here, too. I love you. Pray for me. It's a test. But we'll take that pill, and we'll shake well in water. Ohio else is going to shake. Because we don't understand how it works. We don't feel like taking a horse pill. And, and here's what I'm saying to you. God cares more about you than a doctor, a lawyer, a pastor, your mama, your daddy, your best friend, your boyfriend, or your girlfriend. So you pray whether you feel like it or not. You go to church whether you feel like it or not. You endure the test whether you feel like it or not. You tithe and give to God because everything you get comes from God. Whether you feel like it or not. Because we don't serve God whether we feel like it. We serve Him because He is worthy. And He is our source of every good and perfect gift. Somebody ought to clap your hands and praise Him. Yeah, Abraham didn't get up on the third day and say, I think I'll go ahead and feel like killing myself son today. Oh, see, Abraham understood that, look at this, God's will never contradicts God's promises. Did you hear that? In Genesis 21 and 12, if your Bible's still open, here was God's promise to Abraham. Part B of chapter, of verse 12 of chapter 21. For in Isaac, your seed will be called. Look at this. Let me see if I can teach for a moment. God's will for Abraham at this test in his life was take Isaac and go to Mount Moriah and put him on the altar and kill him. That was God's will. God's promise, however, was out of the same Isaac. I just read it to you. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. God's promise was, this is the lad, this is the boy. Out of him you will have sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters and great-grandsons and great-granddaughters. Out of him came the nation of Israel today. That's where we, Abraham is the father of the nation of Israel. And you know they are as innumerable in their comparison to numbers in their time as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. Did God keep his word? Abraham is thinking long after I'm dead, he'll keep multiplying my seed, will go on. Now how can God contradict himself? God tells me to kill him, and God tells me that out of him I'll be blessed. God's will never contradicts God's promise. And I'll clarify, because in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, this is what the Bible says about Abraham's obedience. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said... In Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Wow. I know you all hadn't been in this like I have, but let me just, just tell you. Abraham says, okay, since God's will never contradicts God's promise, and I've had miracles in my life before, I'm just going to go ahead and obey God. And if it means, and I know, oh my God, how can this father do this with his son? 
But if it means that I sacrifice him, God has the power to raise my son Isaac up at that altar and bring him back to life so his promise to me will not be aborted. I believe God can even raise the dead, Abraham. Now, I don't want you to read any more in this than what I'm going to say. But for Abraham and Sarah, past childbearing age, he being 90 and she, he being 100 and she being 90, to have a child, there had to be some resurrection going on. Okay. See, you don't go no further than that, okay? The seed of the womb, Abraham. Okay, you understand? Because it was past, yeah, yeah, they didn't have some of the problems. Okay, okay. All right. I'm, I'm, you, you understand that Abraham thought... Well, if God can give us a child, because when he got that son, he was, uh, Abraham was a hundred years old. He was old enough to be Isaac's great, great grandfather. I'm going to tell you something. God has the final word, not you and I. Somebody give me an amen. I, I got to hasten here and tell you the third of four points. Expect God's promises to lead to God's provisions. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Verses 7 through 10 talks about, and I do this with haste. Abraham tells the two other lad who traveled with him for three days, you stay here at the bottom of the mountain. Me and my son Isaac, we're going to climb this mountain, go worship God, and we'll come back. He said, we will come back. That takes faith. And so the Bible says that he got the wood together and put it on maybe a... Backpack on Isaac's back, because he was stronger and, of course, younger, so he could carry the wood for the sacrifice on top of the mountain. They already had the fire prepared in some kind of urn or some kind of uh, 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 pottery kind of device with oil. And he took the knife, and they climbed up the mountain. And the Bible says, Abraham, now I, I don't spend a lot of time in this because it can take time, but except to say that, oh God, if you ask me to do that with one of my children... Uh, it, I'm going to have to know it's you. Oh, I've got to have enough previous experiences with you to this point to know that if you ask me that, it'll be all right. I, I have to assume. Because, it, because Isaac said to his father, because Isaac was acquainted and accustomed to helping his father offer up sacrifice. And Isaac knew that if there was going to be an altar and a fire and a knife, there had to be an animal to offer up. Because you understand the Old Testament covenant. Those who offered the sacrifice, their sins was transferred symbolically on the animal. And the animal bled and died on the altar instead of the sinner bleeding and dying for their sins. Can I get a witness? Isaac says to his daddy, But father, where is the animal that we are going to offer up on this altar in this mountain? And Abraham says, God will provide for himself a sacrifice. Didn't God do that 2,000 years ago for you and me? Didn't God not just provide a sacrifice, God provided Himself in the form of Jesus Christ. The Son of God became the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, that whosoever believes on the first day of 2012 shall not perish. Expect God's promises to lead to God's provisions. Here's what's going on. Where is God's provisions found? Uh, the, the thing about it is in 2012, we are all going to need some provisions. Amen. And I would say this if you're a note taker, observe that God's provision is found in the place of His assignment. 
Let me clarify. We have no right to expect the provision of God if we are not in the place of His will. We cannot expect this year for God to pay our bills, help our marriage, heal our body, prosper our finances, pass our tests, etc. And ignore God's will for our lives. Somebody say, Pastor, how do I know God's will for my life so I can do it, so I can have provisions? God's will is recorded in God's Word. Help me here, somebody. And so in 2012, if you expect to pass your test and get provisions and be blessed, you need to know that God's will is that you shun sin and serve Him. Can I get an amen? God's will is you live pure and holy and undefiled and He will give you provisions. Can I get an amen? God's will is if you want to be forgiven, you forgive. Can I get an amen? God's will, my brothers and sisters, is for you to tithe and give your offerings and honor God with your substance so that God can give you back more substance and bless you. And that's where your provision will come. Somebody else ought to say amen. God's will, then, is for us to live according to His Word. And unless we are in the place of God's will, we cannot expect the provisions of God. Uh, Let me show you something else for 2012. When is God's provision found? Observe this. In the process of His assignment. Everybody say the word process. Now, Now let me say this. Where God's will is found is in the place of His assignment. When God's provision is found is in the process of His assignment. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. You see, in order for you to be blessed in 2012, you've got to go ahead and obey God whether you get an answer the first day. You've got to go ahead and be faithful in your marriage whether somebody else is unfaithful in theirs. Help me out here. You've got to go ahead and obey. Well, in, for you to be blessed, you've got to keep in the process of forgiving. And you've got to be in the process of giving and loving. You've got you to go ahead and do what you know is right already. Even if God doesn't show up on Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. You've got to be in the process of obeying. Abraham was in the process of killing his boy. The Bible says he bound him on the altar. And he must have put some kind of gag restraint on his boy's mouth. And a blinder over his eyes for the only way for him to be able to, to do this. And the Bible said Abraham already had presented himself ready for the sacrifice. He was on top of the mountain. The wind might have been blowing and maybe hot tears rolling down his face and he's got the boy on the altar and he's got the knife way up high in the sky and in a moment he's going to bring that knife into the chest of his boy. He was in the process when an angel of God says, Abraham, Abraham, hold, don't do your boy any harm because now I know that you really love me more than you love that boy. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord some praise. process that means that I go ahead and serve God love God love other people be forgiving be kind be gentle and do what I know is right and God in His time will show up can you imagine you going to work this year and changing the way things work and you're saying boss I'd like to get paid on Monday of every week instead of Friday I want to get paid for our work and they'll say to you, it's Monday, and I know you've got a hangover from, from laying over late up on uh, Saturday night. But you better go get your screws tightened a little bit, or you'll get a, get a few more fries for your Happy Meal. Huh? 
Can, can you imagine you saying to your professor at school or your teacher in class, now I know we're going to have a test on Friday in math. Go ahead and give me an A. And they'll say, son, I was born la- at night, but it wasn't no last night. You have to be in the process of taking the test. You have to be in the process of working the work week and showing that you are going to produce. And then at the end of the week comes the reward. And I, I got to hasten here because I want to tell you this and I'm not trying to be hard or harsh. But I want to tell you that when we are obedient and it may seem like God forgot us. It may seem like the bank forgot us. It may seem like the doctor forgot us and the preacher forgot us and mama forgot us. Nobody's texting. Nobody's emailing. Nobody is nothing. But oh, just when you need it the most, just when you got your hand up there ready to bring down the sacrifice because you're obeying God and you're still doing right and hot tears running up off your pillow at night because nobody else is up but you're crying over your test and trial. Just when you need the answer the most, God will show up. How is it found? How is God's provision found? Quite naturally, just by obeying God. You know, if you'll do your part and get to where God tells you to get to, you'll find that God was there before you got there. When you do your part and do what God tells you to do and love and forgive and bless and give and honor and serve and serve in ministry and serve the elderly and serve the children and serve the youth and be an usher and be a greeter and go to the hospitals and, and, and cook a meal and help somebody else and, and bless and because you don't want a reward for the flesh. When you do what's right, you'll find the provisions be there waiting for you. There was a ram, an animal caught in some very thick undergrowth high up on the mountain, not far from the altar, where Abraham was going to offer Isaac. He didn't see it before because it probably wasn't there before. If he saw it before, he might have changed his mind to offer up the ram instead of the boy. You see, what God really wanted, before you leave here thinking this morning that God is some kind of sadomasochistic kind of God who takes pleasure in hurt. You're thinking God is some kind of pagan God who requires the death of humans or human sacrifice. That is not God. What God was after for Abraham was his heart, not his son. Did you hear what I said? God wanted to be sure that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son in his heart. Because God was after Abraham's heart. You know to whom blessings will come? To those who walk in obedience. Because the Bible says that after Abraham was interrupted. After Abraham was interrupted by the angel of God who said, don't harm your boy. I know you love me more than this boy that I gave you. Then the angel proceeded and said, Abraham, I'm going to keep my promise because my will doesn't contradict with my promise. I'm going to make your descendants numerous. I'm going to give you victory over your enemies. Out of you, Abraham, and your descendants, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, will be born. Did God do it? Abraham discovered a new name for God that day. Because just in time, Jehovah Jireh showed up. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Everybody say Jehovah Jireh. Say it again. Everybody say the Lord will provide. Say it louder. The Lord will provide. Clap your hands. Somebody. The Lord will. Pr-
Simplify. I want to tell you something. <laughs> oh, my, 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 my. Woo! When you go through your test and trial and God provides, when you knew it couldn't come from any place else, it had to be God, you're going to get a deeper love for God than any time in your life. When you come out of ICU and it's now 10 days, but the first day they said, call your family in, Nurses and doctors called the family. They have 48 hours to live. And here you are 10 days out. Now it's going on and you're in the middle of 2012. And the doctors gave you up. When you knew God brought you out of that place of death, you will have a deeper love for Him. You hear me? When you go through your trial and your test, and pardon me with the vernacular, but I think you understand it. When you've been to hell and back... And only God calmed the furnace and air-conditioned the fire like He did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nobody will have to tell you to love God and read the Bible and go to church and give your offering. When God snatches you from some addiction, some bondage, some deadly disease, from a car accident. When God saves your marriage and blesses your body, you will love Him more than you have loved Him in 2011. Somebody Put your hands together. Come on, everybody else stand. Everybody else stand. Come on, somebody help me praise it. Yes! Look at me now. Look at me. Look at me. The next move is not God's move. Did you hear me? God, this is for Alan Matura, but you'll get blessed by me saying it out loud. The next move is our move. Kayla, put it all on the screen for me. I'm going to close as I get you ready for communion with these thoughts. Come, my communion brothers, and get the elements ready. And just stare around the altar. Let me tell you what's got to happen to communion today for me and for you. And because God's going to open up heaven. But I need you to understand that God gives Isaacs because he's a loving God. Did you hear me? It was God who gave Abraham and Sarah Isaac. Isaac was a gift. He was a promise. He was a treasure. God does that for us. He'll give you a job because He loves you. He'll give you the right spouse because He loves you. He'll give you musical talent. He'll give you oratorial talent. Can I get an amen? He'll give you carpentry skills. He'll give you computer skills. He'll give you uh, sports skills. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Some of you have business savvy. You, you're very good business-wise. You know how to handle money. Some of you are called to be a missionary, a pastor, evangelist. God gives us Isaacs. Because he loves us. But if we're not careful, Isaacs can become gods. Can I get a witness? If you love your children so much until they say, I don't feel like going to church today, and they all stay home because you want to please your child, that's a God. Can I get an amen here? If you love your car, your house, your property, your money, your CD, your savings, so you can't afford to give God what was rightly His, it's become your God, your Isaac. Give me an amen, somebody. If God give you a singing voice and a talent and you don't want to sing for the Lord anymore now because there's not enough money there, I want to go sing secularly for the world and I want to dress certain ways that are immodest and improper, you've let your Isaac become your God. And so therefore, today, for Alan Matura and for some here, our Isaac must die. Because in order for me to get to Jehovah Jireh, the God will provide. I got to lay my Isaac on the altar today. 
I got to say, this is what I'm after. This is what I'm after this communion. I'm after nothing this year. Taking the place of God in our minds and our hearts and our lives. I want God to provide for you this year. And I want you to be blessed beyond measure because when you're blessed, the kingdom is blessed. But don't you let an Isaac, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or an ex-spouse or a boss, or don't you let anybody or anything or any material possession separate you from the power of God. Serve them, my brother. When you get the, my brothers, when you get the elements, hold them. Don't, don't, put the, don't take them yet until we all are served. The juice and the bread. When you get the juice and the bread... Think about the Isaac you need to leave in the altar. Look at me and hear me now. I know they're coming. Hear me. Look, look at everybody. When you hold the bread, you hold the juice. Your Isaac's probably going to be different than mine. We may have to go home today and pull some Isaacs out of the shelf. And bash some CDs and some videos. And take some stuff out of the cabinet. Because they become an Isaac. Anybody hear me? You think about this morning, before you take communion, what the Isaac is. And you make an altar right where you are. I'm not going to have you come to the altar. It's not big enough for all of us. But you'll be in that altar right where you are for a few moments. And you lay it all on the altar as we worship. Receive, my brother. Thank you for the cross. Hallelujah. Worship him, church. Thank you for the cross.